Good morning, Crossroads. Welcome, church. For those of you watching online, thank you for joining us today. For those of you here in the building today, would you please stand and worship with us this morning? Here we go.
praise this morning.
Heavenly Father, we just thank you for giving us the opportunity to share our beliefs like that this morning through song. As we begin Holy Week this week, we know all the jubilation, all the excitement as you rode into town this day. But we know what's coming on, what's going to come ahead at the end of this week, and we know that the sacrifice that you're going to make for us, which is why we sing this morning, proclaim your name. We ask that you just be with us during this Holy Week. Take us through that journey. Take us through that suffering. And help us once again celebrate your victory over death. Be with us and watch over us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the reminder, Lord, that you came and showed us what true love is. You gave your life on the cross for us to show us the greatest example of love. And now we know what love is because you, Jesus, showed us what love is. True sacrifice, Lord, you showed us. And so, Lord, we, we think about that truth. We, we let it sit in our hearts. And, God, we uh, are um, looking forward to what you're going to teach us through your word, your holy Bible this morning. Lord, we love you and all things Jesus. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's good to be with you in the building. And thank you uh, for those of us who are joining online, our online family. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I love this. And uh, guys, I, I get pegged a lot. One, because I'm tall. One, because I look like I'm 14. And, you know, but it's all good. It's all good. Um, you know, I think my first weekend up here, four, it'll be four years July. But um, anyhow, this lady comes. She goes, I, I saw a wedding ring. She goes, Oh, thank you. But um, she, this lady goes, you have a wedding ring. And you said you had four kids. She goes, that's a good joke. And I'm like, well, it's it's reality. So it's it's all good. It's all good. I shaved for the first time this morning. No, um, <laughs> I'm done. But, hey, I just want to share with you that there's something amazing that happened yesterday. And I think sometimes the church does a really bad. I think we do a pretty phenomenal job here at Crossroads celebrating things. I really do. But the church as a whole, at large, all across the world, does a, I think could do a better job celebrating because God is always working. He's always doing something amazing. And so yesterday we had our egg hunt. Our egg hunt was phenomenal. So can we thank God for what he did? It was amazing. So Kim and Christy and Crystal and the whole egg hunt team, can we thank God for them? What an awesome job. Awesome. Extravaganza. Amazing! We had 750 kids and families that showed up. And I'm thinking about last year when Kim and Christy and their team were handing out, you know, bags of eggs with masks and gloves on, trying to serve our community. And, and here we are a year later. It's like, okay, you know, you see those, those like, those take the, what's that poem, you know, we're here, the, you know, this a foot, the footprints or the, the places where I, I carried you. And you see that groove, that's where I dragged you. You know, God has brought us through one way or another. He has brought us through, and we're continuing to move. We're continuing to figure out every single day, but I'm so thankful for yesterday. In fact, I talked to families. I, you know, had my team. We were checking people in when they came up the hill, and I felt like, you know, I, I was Chick-fil-A for the day. And uh, it was awesome. We got to talk to all these families, and the resounding echo was, we're so thankful. These are brand-new people. They've never been. And they're saying they're thankful. That's a heart thing. That's a God thing. And so when I'm when I'm hearing these people say I'm thankful for this church, it, that's a humbling moment because that is the Lord God Almighty who is moving in the hearts of His people. So again, let's celebrate what God did yesterday. All the kids that came, all the families that came, and we pray that at the end of the day that those kids and those families walked away knowing that there's something powerful that happens up here on the hill because we exalt Jesus and we talk about Jesus. And at the end of the day, it's about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So, again, one more time, church, can we celebrate what happened yesterday? Amen. So, so with that, you know, our mission here at Crossroads is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ in all things. That's what, why we do what we do. 
And, you know, from, for some of you, today might be your first day that you're hearing this. And so welcome to our visitors, those who are joining us for the first time or the second time. If you're joining us for the first time, second time, third time, and you have not, please stop by the Welcome Center. They want to talk to you and they want to give you something uh, just for joining us, for, for being a part of our service and, and being with us as a family this morning. So please stop by the Welcome Center. They'd love to get to know you and hear your story. Um, I also want to tell you uh, that we have a few things coming up. It's, it's the start of Holy Week, just like Kyle was mentioning you know, here uh, during worship. And so this uh, this is Palm Sunday. Welcome to Palm Sunday. And this Friday is our Good Friday gathering. And that's going to be at 7 o'clock here in the auditorium. And there's going to be a time of communion, a time of song, a time of reflection on the suffering of Jesus and thinking about all that he did for us on the cross. Um, and so as we look to the cross uh, this Friday, would you join us at 7 o'clock? And then Saturday, we're going to be, so from Saturday to Sunday, there's four services. And you're like, okay, Luke, Where's this fourth one coming in? I'm going to tell you. So Saturday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to be up here for our Saturday night Easter gathering. And then Sunday, 8 a.m., people, it's coming. 8 a.m. next Sunday for Easter, we're going to be having our first Easter service. And then Saturday, or I'm sorry, the 9, 30, and 11. So Good Friday at 7 o'clock. And then Saturday, Easter is going to be 6 o'clock. And then Sunday, Easter is going to be 8, 9, 30, and 11. And we hope to see you at those services. And so look forward to celebrating uh, what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness um, and giving and being a part of the mission here at Crossroads. So you can give online through the mail or the boxes on the wall. And as you guys leave today, I just want to don't want to forget, um, please grab one of these Easter and Good Friday invites and invite someone, challenge us as a church, invite someone to join you um, this week for Good Friday and for Easter. Have someone sit with you. So please grab one of these or a few as you guys leave today. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. And what a privilege it is to be in this building, God, to think about all that you're doing, Lord. And just yesterday with the egg hunt, the extravaganza, I'm thinking of our team faithfully serving. God, many have been praying, many have been donating, and many have been just like setting things up for what seems like for a long time. And God, you do not waste a minute. Um, it was a long day yesterday, but wow, um, so fulfilling, so rewarding. God, because you, you, you use us, you use us to do your work. And so um, very cool and very humbling, Lord, that we can be a part of the extravaganza yesterday here at Crossroads. So God, we pray for those children, those families that they would have walked away, God, and they continue to just think about what happened yesterday. Um, they walked to the scavenger hunt, they, they did the egg hunt, but God, at the end of the day, there's something beyond Easter. There's something beyond eggs. There's something beyond candy, all that. There's something so much more, and that is a relationship with Jesus. And that's why we exist. And I pray, God, that from that egg hunt that we will continue to see fruit uh, for days to come, for years to come. Uh, God, because all things, Lord, we, we, we know that you won't waste a minute. And, Father, as we continue uh, in this uh, morning, Lord, open our hearts to your word. Uh, and thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness uh, of your people. God, as we continue to just receive from you and give uh, that which has been given to us. Lord, we love you and all things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
Wow. Thank you, Reagan Allen. Can we thank God for Reagan Allen, man? We appreciate you. <clears throat> She's a junior at Ringgold High School. That's incredible, isn't it? My, uh, my fingers are hurting just watching that. She's incredible. So we thank God for that. What an what a awesome, awesome gift that God's given her. Thank you for using it this morning. Let's thank God. Yes, thank God for her. And all of our worship team, what a great morning of worship this morning. Let's just thank God. What an incredible family we have here, our team. You guys have been fired up today. It's it's exciting, man. Palm Sunday. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful for our family. We have a great church family. I want to personally thank all of you that, that served yesterday. You're out there. Man, it was incredible. 65-degree day didn't hurt either, did it? But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, everybody was on a high out there. It was just wonderful, and I want to thank you for serving. Church family, thank you. Let's thank God this morning. You're a phenomenal church. Before I jump into the message this morning, I just want to ask you to pray for a fellow in our church, a guy by the name of John Love. Um, John's a great man, loves the Lord, has been coming here for a few years. And uh, this past Thursday, he had a stroke. He's only like 50 years old, young guy. And um, so he, he, he took a stroke, and they got him to the hospital emergency, and they did the emergency surgery where they were able to remove the clot within a few hours. And uh, to, to good news that we have is that he was discharged to go home yesterday afternoon. Isn't that wonderful, guys? That's wonderful. That's good. So I know many of you have been praying for John. John's a good guy, and um, that, that's tough when, when uh, our family's going through things like this. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd just like to pray for him and for many that are suffering in our church today. We have a lot of people going through a lot of things, and uh, this, is, this has not been an easy time for many people. But uh, God is with us. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you that you are God. Thank you the way that you care for us and the way that you love us. God, thank you for this awesome morning of worship. We're just singing out to you, Hosanna. This I believe, Lord. We believe in God our Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. Lord, we, we, are, um, we are on focus today. We're on mission with you. So, God, uh, as we honor you and we worship you, Lord, we bring to you a few needs of our family, God. And I lift up to you, John, this morning, John Love and his wife, Melanie, and their kids, Lord. I just ask that you will continue to work in John's heart and work in John's body, Lord, and touch his body. Thank you for the recovery that we're seeing already, and we ask for continued strength for the journey ahead for him. God, thank you for our church family, and, Lord, we know that there are many that are suffering, many that are going through situations um, circumstances and health crisis and, and job loss and so many things, God. We just ask today, God, that you'll put your hand upon all of these situations and we lay them at your feet. In your precious name we pray. Amen. The remarkable Jesus. We've spent a month going through one chapter of Mark. We've looked at the cha- uh, first chapter of Mark and we have been seeing how remarkable is this Jesus. Today we're going to take and we're going to fast forward. After Easter we're going to go back and pick up where we left off. But I want to fast forward over to Mark chapter 11 today. And we're going to continue to look at how remarkable Jesus is. And, and as you look at Palm Sunday... This is the, the day today as you come in the door, you're thinking about it's Palm Sunday, Easter's next week. You hear the term Holy Week. Many people refer to this as Holy Week. And I just want to encourage you, that's a great term. Set this week aside. 
Set this week aside as, uh, that's what holy means, to be set apart. Set this week apart unto God and, uh, and just focus on what he has done for you this week. And as we start today on Palm Sunday, as we, we think about Palm Sunday, we, you may be familiar with the story, but I want us today to walk away looking and saying, how remarkable is that Jesus? Uh, Mark chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethpage and Bethany and the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead of him. Um, the time is Passover, and what was happening is this was the, the, the annual Passover. They would celebrate this feast, Passover. Every year they would celebrate Passover. And they would call all the, all the Jewish people would come home to Jerusalem. Up to two million people would converge on Jerusalem. It's a small little place. Uh, there was a temple there, and the people would be making their sacrifices. And so as they would come in, and they would have this festival. It was a week-long festival. They would converge on this town. They would go pick out their lamb that would be presented for, uh, for sacrifice. And then later that week, they would celebrate with a sacrifice. And so this was what God told them to do. It was in remembrance of the Passover. If you go back and look in the, in the book of Exodus, you'll find about the Passover when God said, I will pass over the houses that had the blood on the doorpost. And so we see this, this big issue that's coming here. This is this big holiday, two million people coming in. And as Jesus was coming along, the movement of Jesus was growing. The movement of Jesus was incredible, and here's what was happening. Um, remember at the beginning of the book, we said he, he would tell people, don't tell anybody. I healed you, but don't tell anybody. I cast the demon out, but don't you go talking about me. He didn't want his name fame. He didn't go for the, the crowds wasn't what he was trying to get. And on Palm Sunday, everything changed because there was a few events that was happening as you lead up to Palm Sunday. In Mark chapter 10, we see two blind beggars were healed. Um, Mark chapter 10, 46 through 52, you can go read that at another time. You'll see that these blind beggars were healed. We see the tax collector, the hated tax collector, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is healed, uh, has become um, a follower of Jesus. He was hated by the people. And again, you know, nobody wants to pay their taxes in our day, Right. But in that day, you didn't want to pay your taxes because you would always be charged more. The tax collector would say, you owed $100, well, I'll charge you 1000 And he would, have, he would just rob the people of all this money. That's what Zacchaeus was. And so Zacchaeus, he has this conversion, and he begins to follow Jesus. And the word's getting out. These blind guys were healed. This tax collector, he's a changed man. Look, he's no longer a thief. And then the greatest thing that happened was he raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus goes and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb and he's walking and the fame is spreading. And people are like, you hear about this Jesus? This Jesus, he raised the guy from the dead. And fame was growing about him, uh, uh, coming around and growing up leading up to Palm Sunday. As a matter of fact, John, before he jumps into telling you about Palm Sunday, look what he says here. John chapter 12, verse 9. He says, now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, Jesus was there. And they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, the person that he had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus, uh, they, they, the, the, but the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Uh, that, that, 
Here it is. The movement is happening. They're going to take Lazarus down. They want to take Jesus down. They don't want this, this to happen. The priest understood if Jesus had a greater crowd than them, their power would be gone. There was a power issue that was going to come about here because there was a power. The, the power struggle was between. Do I have the power struggle between the, the, the people uh, of, uh, of Rome, the, the, you know, the Rome. And then you also had uh, the Roman rulers. And then you also had the Jewish rulers because Rome had oppression over the Jewish rulers. And the Jewish rulers, as they were responding, they said, man, if there's an insurrection during this time, if, if there's a rebellion that happens in the middle of this, we'll lose our power. It, uh, there's two million people coming over. So Rome is on high alert anyhow. That's why they were coming to town. That's why uh, the Roman officials were coming into town at the same time. They were, they were there. They were in a position of power. But here comes Jesus. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to, to Bethpage and, and Bethany the, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it, untie it, and bring it to me. I want you to look at this little map here. Here's what was happening. Jesus was coming. And as you come up here, it's hard to see here, but they're, they're, they, would, they would come up, and it was known as the ascent to Jerusalem. If you go in the book of Psalms, you'll see it says Psalms of Ascent. And you read that, you say, well, what is that? Those were the songs that they actually sang on their way to worship at Passover. There were several times a year that they would convene on Jerusalem, Passover being the highest. And as they came into Jerusalem, um, they would come up here and they would quite often sing those songs. So as you're coming in, he mentions Bethany and he mentions Bethpage. And these are the, the two last stops before he's going to make his triumphal entry, as you are familiar with. So he comes down the triumphal entry here all the way down into the temple. And so it's, it's, it's just about a few miles. It's not a very long journey. And over 100,000 people, scholars believe that about 100,000 people were a part of Palm Sunday. Like this area was so small, was so crowded, and people were just jamming in everywhere. But the movement had been building. But out of two million people, it's not the it's not the biggest movement. It, it's 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 only a hundred thousand out of two million people that are there. So the word is spreading, and there's this tension building. And uh, and verse three continues on. It says, "If if anyone says to you, why are you doing this?" says the tell them that the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it there. Could you imagine if you were the disciples? Jesus says, hey, go to the next town. And, and, and there, there's, there, there's a donkey there, and just, just untie it and bring it to me. And if they ask you, just tell them I need it. Yeah. That'd be like going, you know, like me, you know, tell me, hey, go, down, go downtown Pittsburgh, and you're going to find a Volkswagen, and the keys will be in it. And if anybody asks you what to do, just tell them the Lord needs it. I'd be like... Uh, are you sure? <laughs> now, and that's what the disciples were like. This was, you know, they, they had been with him. They saw him raised from the dead, so they're going to trust him. But they're like, okay, God, we're going to go do this. And I want you to think about this because as they did it, verse 4 says, So they went their way. They found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosened it. And some of those who stood there said, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you untying the colt? And they spoke to them just like Jesus had commanded them, and they let them go. What happened was this was an omniscient God. 
God knew, Jesus knew that there would be a donkey in the next town. And by the way, the, the, the owner of the donkey had to be a follower of Jesus. Like you wouldn't just give your car because he said, you know, you know if, if, if Jesus came to your house and said, you know, I need your Volkswagen, you, you'd give it to Jesus. But if I came to you and said that Jesus needs it, you'd say, uh, let's talk about this. Right? So this was a follower of Jesus, and he, he, he knew that he had a follower in that town. And by the way, it would be a, a cult that nobody ever sat upon. It was, it was a donkey that nobody had ever ridden on before. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it. They took their outer garments. They took their coats, and they, and they put it on the donkey. They made a makeshift saddle. Anybody ever ride on a donkey before? Raise your hand if you've ridden on a donkey. Okay, one, two. You're not going to believe this. I've ridden on a donkey. Of all the things I've done in my life, i got a donkey ride. Now, that's kind of weird, isn't it? So, uh, I remember going on a missions trip to Haiti, and some of you were there with me. We went there in high school, and, and I went on this donkey ride, and they took us by donkey down into this village. And, uh, and I'll never forget, I was like, I would rather walk. And, and by the way, those donkeys, they didn't have very nice saddles in Haiti. This was in Haiti. They didn't have very nice saddles for us. And, and as I sat on there, I felt parts of a donkey I'd never want to feel where I felt them. Now, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is not a comfortable ride. The spine of this donkey, I felt like it was, you know. So anyhow, Jesus comes along and I want you to catch this. They take their coat off and they lay it on the donkey. And then Jesus sits on it. And what was going on here? Like, why would he choose this donkey? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of donkeys there. But this was a donkey that never had been ridden on. I want you to think about that. You ever take a horse that's never been ridden on? Some of you have ridden horses. Take a horse that's never been ridden on. I don't think it's a very good, very good ride, your first ride, is it? I mean, there's a lot of work to that. I, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't raise those animals, but I know better than to take the first ride on a horse uh, and to take the first ride on a donkey. Jesus had ultimate power. I want you to catch this. When he sat on this, this donkey that had never been ridden on, it was not comfortable. It was lowly. It wasn't the white horse. It wasn't victory. He sat on it, and he went into the city. And as he did this, it is, it is showing you, I want you to catch back in the Old Testament, King David came in when he was crowned the king. He came in on a donkey. What? It's the humility. It's the peaceful time. There were times that the king would ride on a horse. That was a sign of victory and power. But on this day, Jesus was coming in, not in victory. He was coming in in humility. And he's riding on this donkey coming in the city. And people start to begin to cheer. And, and not only did King David do that, Solomon did it. And so Jesus wasn't just identifying with the king and say, this is a great tradition for a king. No, no, he was fulfilling prophecy. This prophecy was given several decades earlier. Go to Zechariah chapter 9, 9. And it says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, now catch this. This was given hundreds of years earlier. Before Jesus arrives on the scene and he comes in and he fulfills this prophecy. 
John tells us this is a fulfillment of this prophecy. Matthew tells us this is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Catch that. This is big because this was not an unplanned event. God Almighty had a specific appointment for what he was doing, and the whole Holy Week was an appointment for God. God the Son had an appointment by God the Father, appointed him to come to this earth. And the day that he was born, all the way through to the cross and the resurrection was all planned by God Almighty. And I want you to be able to rest in the assurance and comfort of who he is today. Because when you understand that he is omniscient, he is all-powerful, he is almighty, that, uh, that you can look into the things of your life and you can understand God will keep his word. These people did not think that God was going to keep his word. Here he comes in on a donkey and he's riding. And so they, they, they take their, uh, take the, verse 8 says that they spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down leafy palm branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. I envision this. Here, here comes Jesus on a donkey, and you take off your coat, and you lay it down, and, and the king comes through. The donkey rides over your coat, and then you pick it up, and you're like, wow, I was there that day. And, and you have this memory. You're like, you know, I'm never washing that coat again. And, and you go home, and you have that, that this is awe. You are putting yourself, you're humbling yourself before this king, but he's coming in pretty humble himself. They're taking the palm branches off the trees, and they're waving them, and it's a sign of, of victory uh, for, for those people. They, they remember whenever, the, whenever Jerusalem took back the Assyrians, history tells us that they entered with praise and palm branches to Jerusalem. They came waving palm branches whenever they regained the city back. And so when Jesus came and they're waving these palm branches, it's like waving the flag. It's like this incredible movement. And they're saying, he is coming. As a matter of fact, right then they say, then they shouted, verse 9, then they shouted, who, uh, who, uh, those who went before him, those who followed, cried out saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so they're shouting this, and it's Hosanna, Hosanna. Psalm 118.26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. It was one of the psalms of ascent. This was nothing new to them to know those words. It now had a new meaning. And they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. And as a matter of fact, Hosanna was a very familiar Hebrew term of phrase, but it actually means save now. Save now. And catch this. There's 100,000 people in the area. Jesus is making his way through. And did you hear he raised Lazarus from the dead? Did you hear this guy follows him? Did you hear those blind beggars? And this movement is roaring. And they're saying, save now. This is our moment. They were looking at the victorious promises. If you look in the Old Testament, there were victorious promises that Jesus will come in power. He will reign in power. He will be victorious. He will be mighty. And this was the moment they said, yes, save now. As a matter of fact, go back to that slide before here. I want to show you this. Um, the Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom. Do you see? They're looking at it and they're saying, this is a political moment. Rome will no longer be oppressing us. 
God's people will now be free and we will reign. We will rule. Jesus will be our king and this will be the best day of our life. And, and so they're saying, Hosanna in the highest, the highest form of praise. Save now. And I want you to catch the, uh, the, the crowd cheering as Jesus came by. Save now. Save now. Save now. And so they're thinking, this is our time. This is our moment. And they're seeing this, this change of their life is going to come. But verse 11, Mark tells it to us. So it's almost anticlimactic. Remember, Mark's trying to show you that the reason for his letter was so that you can understand the good news. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus went into Jerusalem, into the temple. And when he looked around, he saw that it was already late. And he went back to Bethany with the twelve. And you're like, what? This is kind of anticlimactic. Like, wait a minute. There should be more to the story. It was an incredible day. You, you, you know that later on in the week, the crowd changed on him. And they turned on him. Why is that? Because there was a difference between the Jesus that they wanted. They had a Jesus that they wanted. You know, they didn't want to see this guy coming in on a donkey. I think we have a picture of, of a guy on a donkey here. Jesus coming in. They, they didn't want to see this. They wanted power. They wanted him on the white horse. Oh, at this moment, they're chanting and they're, they're, they're yelling, save now. This is our moment. But they're not looking for the humble. When Jesus came in, he was telling us that he would be, that he came to die, that he came in humility, that he was lowly. They, they did not see that. They saw, they saw a Jesus that they got was this. The Jesus that they wanted and the Jesus that they got were two different things. And, and so they were disappointed. They became disappointed. And I, I, and I think this is where we live in our life sometimes. Don't we get disappointed? Like if, if we're honest, we'll, we'll say that like life sometimes disappoints us and we get disappointed with the circumstances of life and with the things that we have to deal with and, and the trials, the ups and downs and the, the, the sicknesses, the health uh, crises, the, the finances and all the things that you've been dealing with this year. You say, man, this is really hard. I want the victory. I want victory. I don't want the I don't want the cross. You know what? They wanted a Jesus who fixed earthly problems. Now catch this out. They wanted a Jesus who fixed earthly problems. You know, there were many earthly problems at that time. Rome was a serious issue. They were oppressing the people. They weren't free to do their thing. This wasn't the the, the plan that they saw of God. And and uh, and they were under earthly problems. Just like we're today under earthly problems. We have so many of them, don't we? 2020 was the year of earthly problems, wasn't it? 21 hasn't been a whole lot better, but at least we're here. Can you thank God for that this morning? We're here today, right? Thank God. Last year for Palm Sunday, you know, you watched me on your phone. I'm much smaller on the phone. Um, many today are still joining us online. Can we thank God for those that are joining us online today? We, we've had a year of, of earthly problems. Jesus didn't come to get rid of your earthly problems. See, that would be so temporary. 
so temporary. They got a Jesus who came to fix our eternal problem. We have an eternal problem. The eternal problem is a sin issue. Our sin separates us from a holy God. Jesus died on the cross to pay for that sin. So your listen, this earthly problems, it many people, you may be disappointed. Why did God let that happen? I don't know. Why? And this is where people are at, and this is where the crowd was at. Why? You know, if Jesus, how many times have you heard somebody say, well, Jesus wouldn't do that. If, if God loved me, he wouldn't. Wait a minute. He's God. He loves you. And you're going to tell God how the, he would do if he really loved you? Try to do that with gravity. Well, you know, if gravity really loved me, I could just walk off the edge of that stage. Let me show you. Not on TV. They got a Jesus who fixed an eternal problem. Your eternal problem is sin. Listen, we are here for about a season. James says that life is a vapor. Every day that I live, I'm understanding this. It's more and more. It's going faster. It's going faster. I look at the last five years. I said, where did it go? What? 1 John 2 2 says this, that he himself, Jesus, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. Jesus died so that all may have eternal life. He did that for you. And so he came to fix your eternal problem, not a temporary problem. See, the things of this world, I, I want you to look back. This was the hard year. This was the year of the pandemic. I want you to look back at history. 1918 was a Spanish flu pandemic. Millions of people died, and we're still here 100 years later. We have, civilization has lived. Many, there were many losses, many great pain. But listen, God was with the people then, and he's with you today. But God didn't come to solve those temporary problems. As a matter of fact, that all, you know, the, the whole world, the fallenness that we are in, is all a result of sin. Go back to the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had perfect fellowship with God. They could walk together with God. They could talk together with God. He says, you can have everything. Enjoy all of this. There's one tree. Don't eat it. And as they eat of the one tree, as Adam and Eve take, a, take of this one tree, they begin to fall. And then they begin to, uh, to fall away from God. And as a matter of fact, they immediately have this sin problem that takes over and they're hiding from God. May I share with you that you can run, but you can't hide? I know many people that are running from God today. They're running, but they cannot hide. Oh, they tried. Adam and Eve put fig leaves on. And they said, I'm going to cover myself up. I'm going to, uh, he's coming around. Go, go hide behind this tree. No, no, God says, where are you? I know where you're at. Don't, don't hide from me. You can't hide from me. And he, then death entered the world at that point. And today we're still dealing with it. And viruses and all the sicknesses that we have to deal with is all part of that curse of death. But thanks be to God that he came to solve that eternal problem. And he said, I will send my own son, Jesus, to pay for this. They wanted a Jesus that would destroy the Romans. Hmm. We lived in a world very similar this year, haven't we? The whole world has gone crazy. We wanted a Jesus that would solve all civic problems. Instead, they got a Jesus who destroyed the stranglehold of sin.
And I want you to think about that because that's what sin does. It puts a hold on you and it strangles you. It takes the life out of you. It takes joy out of you. It takes everything that you so desire. And it makes you trade it because you say, okay, God, I'll trade it for this. In the meantime, God's saying, I've got it already here for you. You're like, no, 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 this here looks so good and I'll take it. I'll, I'll eat of this fruit right now. And what you do is you end up taking what you want now versus what you really want. And so you want to be satisfied now. And God says, no, 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 I'm going to satisfy you forever. And as a matter of fact, when you become a follower of Jesus, you don't have to go there anymore. Not only has your eternity been taken care of, but I don't have to get up every morning and put the handcuffs on. Go back to your addiction every day. You don't have to do it. God says you have freedom, and he has broken every chain. Like that one song, break every chain, break every chain. I love that song, man. That's what he does. He breaks every chain. And God has promised that to you. He took care of a bigger issue. But the people, they're cheering at this moment. We want, we want them to crush the Romans. Romans 6, 6 says, For the, we know that our sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin will lose its power in our lives. We're no longer a slave to sin. Man, you're no longer a slave to anger. No longer a slave to bitterness. No longer a slave to unforgiveness. You're no longer a slave to addiction, to uh, loneliness. All these things that, that the enemy brings, you're no longer a slave. They wanted a Jesus who would get the bad guys first. You know, don't you, don't you like it when you watch a movie and they get the bad guys? You know? You're like, yeah. They got a Jesus who dealt with our sins first. Man, they want, they want get, get them. Go after the Romans. Get them. Just get rid of them. Did you ever do that? You ever, you ever pray and you're like, God, would you just break his leg? Yeah. Okay, I don't actually pray that. But I want to sometimes, don't you? Lord, would you just let them screw up today so they can see that I'm really better? Have you ever done that? You're, you, you want the job and, you know, you're competing for a job or competing for anything, you know? You're like, Lord, just, just, just let them see that I'm better. It's not what Jesus did. He didn't come and deal with the bad guys first. He dealt with Israel first. He dealt with his own first. And you know, that's what he deals with you and I first. He deals with our sin. So before you go talking about how bad the world is out there and God, you want him to judge, we all talk about that, don't we? We want God to judge the world. But let me tell you, God's going to judge us first. First Peter 4.17 says this, For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, What terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? It starts with the people of God. And thanks be to God, when God looks at me, I don't have to hide. My sins have been forgiven as far as the east is from the west. And if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you've given him your heart, you're trusting him. He has taken your sin as far as the east is from the west, and you are forgiven once for all forever. Let's thank him for that this morning. Thanks be to God. Now let me show you. This is what they got. Uh, if you, you fast forward in Mark, you go up to chapter 15. You're now at the getting closer to the cross. It was the governor's custom each year during Passover celebration to release one prisoner, anyone that the people requested. One of the prisoners at the time was Barabbas, a revolutionary who had committed murder in an uprising. And this is screaming at me louder than ever. 
Barabbas. You know, when you go to the Easter place, when we did the Easter place here, you always tell Barabbas he doesn't have to shave for like a year. He doesn't even have to comb his hair for a year. Barabbas comes out, and they kick Barabbas around. Then they're like, free Barabbas! Let me tell you what Barabbas was. He was a revolutionary. He committed murder against Rome. He wasn't going around hurting the Jewish people. He was on the rebellion. The scripture says that he was on the rebellion. And you're saying, yes, this guy can do it. So the the chief priests, they went around and and they were instigating in the crowd whenever they put him up. They went around, the scripture tells us, that they went around telling the Jewish people, hey, don't go after Jesus. We want Barabbas. Barabbas can do it. Barabbas can overthrow. Look at this. First, next. The crowd went to Pilate and asked him to release a prisoner as usual. Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews, Pilate asked? Or, because he realized that by now the leading priest had arrested Jesus out of envy. But at this point, the leading priest stirred up the crowd to demand the release of Barabbas instead of Jesus. You see the priest, they went in and said, hey, get Barabbas. Barabbas can overthrow the government. This is good. Barabbas can save now. And they got what they really wanted whenever they cried out. Look at this. Pilate asked, then you should do with this man what you call, what should I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? Verse 13, they shouted, crucify him. Next verse. Why Pilate demanded What crime has he committed? But the mob roared even louder, crucify him. So to pacify the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas. He ordered Jesus flogged with a lead-tipped whip, then turned him over to the Roman soldiers to be crucified. And all those years, I looked at that and I said, why would they take Barabbas? Now you can see. He was a revolutionary. And they said, this guy, he's humble. He's lowly. We want the victory. And they were poisoned by the, by the leaders, by the religious leaders. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, the, the Jesus didn't overthrow the government. I don't see anything in the Bible where he went after the government, where he even tried to change the government. You know what he did on the very next day after Palm Sunday? Read Mark. He went in and he overthrew the church. He went into the temple and he overturned everything and said, my house shall be a house of prayer. And he throwed it all over. And I'm like, ooh, I'm seeing a new light. I'm seeing a new light. And so what do you do whenever you get disappointed with God? I want to ask you, what do you do when you get disappointed? What do you do whenever you're you're saying, man, I thought he was going to do this, but he didn't. What do you do? I'm going to give you three thoughts as we close here. Number one, expect disappointment. Be ready for it. Folks, I'm going to say this. God will not disappoint you, but life will. God does not say, i got a plan. Let me disappoint Pastor Ken. No, 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 no. God doesn't say, you know what? I'm going to show the world. and I'm going to disappoint everybody. No, 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 no. But I want you to know that you will be disappointed. You will look at life's circumstances. You will see events. And you'll say, why did God do that? Isaiah 55 says that my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. 
Hebrews 11.6 tells us about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. When you're going through a bad time, what's the two things you're tempted to do? You're tempted to either believe that he doesn't exist, God's not with me, or you're tempted to believe that he does not reward. Somehow, if I did all these things, then God, you've got to do this. And and listen, God didn't say you get the reward that you're looking for. He says that he rewards. In other words, he's with you. He's walking the journey. There is light at the end of the tunnel. If he exists, you believe that he exists and that he rewards so Man, I did all this. I did A plus B. It should equal C. But God says, no, A plus B equals me. And it doesn't matter. You're not getting the C. You're going to get me. You keep moving. You keep trusting. And even though you're in pain and heartache and sorrow and discouraged, you look forward and you say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Because when you're in that tension, that's the tension, isn't it? The tension is to not trust him that he exists. Or to not trust him that he's working. I want you to take that verse. Write that one down. Hebrews 11.6. Believe that he exists and that he rewards. Secondly, make up your mind. Who do you say that Jesus is? Make up your mind. Who is Jesus? Is he God? Do you really believe that he's God? Or would you say that he's just merely a consultant? You know, many people will look at God as merely a consultant, a cosmic consultant. And they say, well... You know, if, he, if he's God and he says jump, on the way up, I'm going to ask how high. But if he's a consultant and he says something, I'm going to ask, well, why? Well, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And, and you're going to say, well, you know, God wouldn't let that happen. So you, you're treating him as a consultant. But he's God. Uh, is he a vending machine? You know, anybody ever use a vending machine? You know, you put your dollar in there. Did you ever not get something out when you put the dollar in? You know, there's a little bag of chips up there. You put your dollar in, you hit C4, and it goes, mm, and that chip is holding up there. And it's going, mm, and what do you do? Let me tell you what I do. I look around, make sure there's no church people around, <laughs> and I slam the machine. I gave you a dollar. You owe me a bag of chips. Then I go get the manager. I gave him a dollar. And my wise potato chips are still in there. Isn't that what you do? Yeah. And many people treat God that way. God, I gave you my tithe. Well, you owe me good health. God, I want the church. Well, you owe me this for my family. God says, no, 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 no. I'm not a vending machine. You don't put it in. And get to choose what comes out. You put it in. And I am God. And I will take care of the rest. He's God. Is he just a good luck charm? Do you need God's... You know, are, are you looking for God to need your approval? Or are you gaining God's approval? It's two differences, isn't there? Man, God doesn't need my approval. I need God's approval. Do I have a Jesus who aligns with my worldview, or do I change my worldview to align with his worldview? And this is the world we're living in right now, folks. The world is rocked right now. 
because everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. Proverbs says it leads to destruction. Align your worldview with God's, folks, not with what you feel, not with what you want, not with what you're hearing out there. Align it with his word, folks. Amen? Align it right there. If he is God, and see, folks, this is what we have to do. We have to line up. If he's God, then this changes everything. And thirdly, trust Jesus in the process. As you're going through life, trust. Trust. Listen, I cannot always see his hand, but I can trust his heart. Trust. This life is just the beginning. I told you already, life is a vapor. We're here a few short years. Pretty soon, you'll be looking at my epitaph on a stone somewhere. That's not far away. I don't know how long that is, but listen, if it's 30 years, that's not far. That means I'm over, you know, I thought I was middle-aged. I'm three-quarter-aged. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not getting to 100. My wife wishes I would, but, you know, outside of that. Trust the process. Trust the process. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says this. If our hope in Christ, let's read it together. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. It is worth giving your life to because this life is almost over. One of these days you're going to walk into heaven and God will say, now let me show you what I've been looking at. He said, but God, in 2020, this is what I was looking at. My kids didn't get to go to school. I didn't get to go to work. The whole world was shut down. God says, no, 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 hang on. You can trust me. Come on in and look at what I've been doing. And it was for his glory. And the scripture says he will withhold no good thing from his children. Let's close in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you. You are so good, so good. You are God. Lord, forgive us for the moments when we have come to you as a vending machine to get what we want when we want it. Lord, uh, we are to depend on you. We are to, pray to, we are to pray to you and, uh, and walk with you. But, God, at the end of the day, your ways are not my ways. God, thank you for the way you have been with us this year. God, I pray for each one in this room and each one watching online right now. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if, if you would say, Pastor Ken, I'm ready. I, I need a touch from God today. I need to open my heart and trust Him. Would you just pray something like this to God? Just call on Him. He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sins. So call on Him and say something like this. Dear Jesus, I come to you and I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. You died on the cross and you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I trust you now. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. Father, be with each person today that has just prayed that. Lord, be with others that have been following you for some time. However, we have been disenchanted. Maybe we've been disappointed with life. We have been wounded. We have been run over. Lord, we're crying out, save now. And Lord, you're working in your own time. And I'm so thankful that this life is not the end. It's just the beginning. And we have eternity with you.
In your name we pray. Amen. Folks, I want to thank you for joining us today. We'll be looking forward to seeing you Friday night, Good Friday. We're going to have communion here, a time of reflection on the cross. And then next week on Easter, Saturday, 6 o'clock, Sunday at 8 o'clock. If you'd like to come at 8 o'clock, come on out at 8 o'clock. That might be the shortest service of the week, all right? I'm just kidding, all right? 8 o'clock, 9.30, although by the time I get to 11 next week, I might end at 11, 10.30. Who knows? All right, so anyhow, we'll see you. Have a great Easter. Invite somebody and also share it online. We will be online all weekend. God bless you. Have a great weekend. dark room in silence fuel imagination tonight the stars shine bright and spell my name the winter cold chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night sky I'm drifting off in the deep of the valley your presence Slower than undeserved.
truth and power will always remain. But as my eyes close and mind awakes, no words come to fill the space. Cause words, they don't do your power much justice. It's too great. Too great to be bound by little letters we make up. And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of your glory by calling you this and that. But the reality is that we can't fully comprehend.